0: Well, hello, Seacoast. Man, it is good to be uh, back, honestly. It's good to be home. It's good to be in this place. For those of you who are watching, so grateful. I got to be honest with you, so grateful because of not only what Josh said, but the truth is that, um, man, your leadership um, it has been just family to me and my, uh, and my family, and Seacoast has been home. It's been a place where I've been able to really find my voice. I mean, this was a place and a space that gave me the courage to redream a little bit and to start Mosaic and start a ministry. And I have so many memories here. Um, But I'll be honest here. I've got some memories, too, that are like, honestly, they're like epic fails here as well. And and we joke about some of the stories that I I have. But uh, by the way, anybody else have... Ever had an epic fail in their life? Okay, okay, we're good. We're, we're honest people here. That's good. That's good. And the problem is we need to learn from them. I had one epic fail. I'm not quite sure if I've really gotten over, okay? I want to share that with you. Is this a safe space? Can I do that? Okay, okay, good, good. Okay, so this was, this was in town, in Mount Pleasant. We lived here, and uh, there was a huge storm uh, one weekend, and it just was flooding everywhere, everywhere. And then... Um, our apartment where we were living, my wife and I, uh, we had our first born, and uh, the power went out. And so I was the young adult pastor here at Seacoast, and uh, we had friends and all that, and they were like, hey, we got power. Why don't you come to our house? And I'm like, yes, we can do that. And my wife was like, hey, listen, listen, listen. It's a storm out there. There's water everywhere. Are you sure we should do this? And then I'm like, yeah, I think we got this. And here's why. Here's why. Okay, guys, maybe you can, you can relate. See, I, got, I had this SUV, and it had really big tires on it, and, right? And so I was like, I think you can pretty much do anything with what? With big tires, right? You can do pretty much anything. You can go anywhere. And I was like, hon, we got this. We got this. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, listen, we got this. Let's pack up. Let's go there. I've got an SUV, and guess what? It's got what? big tires i'm like we got this girl we got this so we put the family in the suv head there we get there everybody's safe it's all good we're about to walk in about to walk in and um i get a call from a buddy who's stranded on the other side of the uh like the apartment or complex or something and i'm like oh i got you i got you and ashley was like hey are you sure you want to go out again i'm like hun, hun, listen i got it why what do i have it because i got an suv with what Big tires, people. I can go anywhere. So I was like, I hop in and go get him. I noticed, though, that he is not in his apartment. He's outside running towards me. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's raining. It's storming. It's what? And I thought, you know what? I need to just get to him. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to jump this curb. It's all good. It's all good. There's water everywhere. It's all good. It's all good. And there's just puddle over here. I jumped the curb. I hit this puddle. But the puddle was a pond, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just one of the pics. We got another one. Yeah. By the way, it's also the day I baptized my car, so it's it's good. It's good. And then the last one, last one right here. This will be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, notice something. Big tires, this is so, just want you to know. <laughs> big tires, big tires. But man, you know what's funny about this is that there are some fears and epic fails that are amusing to talk about, right? And laugh about. And we can do that. We've all got those stories. But then there are f- uh, failures, and then there are f- fears, and then there's stuff that we've been, um, we've experienced that uh, honestly has left us um, in a little bit of trauma, right? It's left us a little bit broken, and so I want to actually talk about that. I want to talk about not just the, the fears and the flaws and uh, some of the failures that you and I have experienced that, uh, that we are, we're okay talking about. It's the stuff that really, it's honestly paralyzed some of us. Like I, I believe that today God wants to unlock something within you. And it's actually, he wants to unlock your identity and purpose. And here's why, because I'm, I'm convinced that for so many of us, when we Fail at something not as, uh, not something laughable, but something that means a lot to us. That something breaks in us. That's why some of us are stuck, right? We're just stuck in doing the same old stuff because we're stuck in disappointment. You're stuck in the reality where that I failed in marriage and I'm, I'm like really failing as a as a husband maybe. I'm, I'm really failing as a college student. I'm really failing... Um, to provide for my family and you're just honestly doing the same old stuff and if when you look in the mirror you're not that person you want to be you you're actually someone else the truth is is that you've been calling yourself something that um that's not helpful you've been saying some things over your life and you don't even know you've been doing that and here's the problem when you talk out loud to yourself you know who's listening your soul And somehow your soul believes you. And then it begins to shape your identity. I think for some of us, you've been calling yourself something, but you've not really stepped into your calling. And that's partly because of your fear, and partly because of your flaws, and partly because of just the failures in your life. And some of us, you're a mom, and you're like, you know what, I'm just the worst. And you're not the worst. It's just that you have just been crippled with fear And now you've got this purpose that you're never going to step into, or you're going to so delay it because you're just paralyzed by it. So I believe that today, God wants to unlock that. And what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. It is one that's very familiar. To some of you, you're like, I know this passage, okay? It's found in Mark, so if you want to go to it. We can jump right into it. Mark tells a story about Jesus and this guy who was uh, who was in one sense just possessed by demons. And for those of you who are like, I think I know the story. Anybody know the story of Jesus? He uh, takes out demons. He casts demons out, and they go into pigs. Anybody remember that story? Right? Right? Yeah. You're like, no, I don't. Well, hey, it's going to be fun. Okay, right? But it is a story that's really pretty radical. Okay, of Jesus doing something and he, he unlocks something in this guy. And so what I want to do is I want to jump into it, but I want to go into some of the details of the story. And here's where I want to do it. Because sometimes what we don't realize is that when you read the t- teachings of Jesus, when you read the stories of Jesus, if you don't bring the context and if you don't understand that this was written to a Middle Eastern um, culture or a Middle Eastern crowd, you miss something. Pretty important details in the story, and then you actually don't get to see the bigger picture. In fact, there is this um, there's this uh, concept called turning the gem. Have you ever heard of it? So, turning the gem is a uh, rabbis in the back in the day used to use this, and what they believed was that the scriptures were uh, were a gem, and uh, and and they wanted to take the gem the scriptures, and print towards light and then begin to turn it. In fact, they believed that the Torah had 70 facets. They believed that it was like 70 faces of the Torah. They would turn the gem and turn the scriptures just enough and see something new in it. And so I want to do that with this story. So I want to do that because I think for some of us, you're not just going to learn something or see something in the scriptures. You're like, oh, I never saw before. You're actually going to see something about you that you never saw before. And that's what the scriptures do. They reveal so much of not just who God is, but who we were created to be. And so I want to turn the gem and maybe look at it in a very different and new way. Are you guys good with that? Are you guys good for new? Okay, ready for some new stuff? Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? I'm ready for something new. Actually, you know what? Don't do that if you're married. That's not, um, that's not a good idea, right? Yeah, because I think some of you are like, you know what? I am too. I am too. <laughs> so, hey, let's do a, next week. Can, we, can you fix that? Okay, thank you. Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's jump in. Let's jump in. So Mark chapter 5 says this. It says, when they went across the lake into the region of the garrison. let just stop right there. We're just going to stop right there. When they went in to the region of garrison. What we know is who is they? They are the disciples and Jesus. And what have they been doing? They were in one place and then they went to the region. Uh, They went across the what? What did it say? Lake. They went across the lake. So what were they doing before? What happened in the lake? And now they go to this place called the garrison. We'll talk about it a little bit later. What happened is that Jesus and his disciples were talking and they were, Jesus was doing his thing. And he tells a story about the mustard seed. Anybody remember the story about the mustard seed? Right? The mustard seed, you could, uh, it doesn't matter how small your faith is. You, when you put it and you deposit it, it will grow into something huge. And so Jesus talks about that. And then right after that, he says, you know what? Let's go across the lake. Now, across the lake is an issue. It's not like, hey, let's just go, you know, to the other side of town. No, across the lake meant something very different. It was a different place. It it says here, it was the region of the garrison. The garrison was a place that was not Jewish. It was built up of 10 cities. How many? 10 cities. None of them were Jewish. So Jesus is like, you think he's kind of doing his own thing every time. When you read the stories, you're like, hey, this is Jesus doing his thing. Uh, Yeah, but this particular time, he goes, I know we've been doing this, but let's go over there. Like, we don't want to go there, but let's go there. Yeah, Monk's Corner. Let's go there. (laughs) Right? And the disciples are like, we're not going there. They're just weird. I get that. I'm not talking about Monk's Corner. No, we're not. Talking about Somerville. Anyways, no, no. <laughs> soaking, soaking. But they were like, let's not go there. But he's like, let's go there. So do you know what happened when they got on the boat to go to the lake? You're like, what happened? Well, do you remember the story where they were going somewhere and Jesus was sleeping on the boat? Remember that? And a storm came up. It's, it's the context. So Jesus tells these people, we're going to go across the lake, and then a storm comes up, and you remember, if if you remember the story, the disciples are freaking out, they're freaking out, not because they've never been in a storm, they're freaking out, if you read the story, and Jesus was all calm and taking a nap, they're freaking out, because they're like, we're not supposed to go to this place. This place is not Jewish. This place is where they have sorcery. This place is where they believe in multiple religions, different gods. We are Jewish. They are Gentile. They are pagans. We are not. We don't want to go into that space. It's the 10 cities that no Jewish people would go to. Also, by the way, technically, rabbis were not supposed to go to that place. So when the storm comes up, they're like, we're going to die. We're going to die because you're not listening to God. And Jesus gets up and goes like, come down and then he calms the storm. So I just want you to know when they show up, this is the context. So the disciples are already on edge. They're like, okay, okay, we're doing this, we survived. Okay, he can control storms. We're getting in here, we do this. All right. So the first thing what happens is Mark writes it down. So we went across, we went across. Okay, then what happens in verse two? Things are gonna get better. Maybe. Okay, let's see. When Jesus got out of the boat, okay, we got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came to. From the tombs to meet him. So he's the welcoming committee. Right? And I'm sure the disciples are like, we told you this place is is not good. The first guy they meet is out of his mind. Right? Then Mark was like, I'm writing this stuff down. All right. And then he goes, this man, Mark says, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with chains. He he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one, no one was strong enough to subdue him night and day. Among the what? Among the what? Tombs in the hills he would cry out and what? Cut himself with stones. So what does this reveal? First of all, the disciples are like, why are we here? But I want you to know something that's so true here. You see, Jesus on purpose intentionally leaves a safe place and goes to a very complicated place. And I just want you to know right now that Jesus is not random with you. He's intentional. And so if you find yourself in a place where you think God can never show up and God can never be there, he will leave the 99 and He'll go after the one. He will leave a safe place and he'll go after. And guess what? He'll tell us, the church, to do the same. To go into spaces that are complicated and dark. Why? Because there's a purpose. And so God wants us to live a very intentional life. He's calling us to see that he's doing the same with you. So I don't know if you find yourself in a place where you're like, I'm, uh, I'm not really in this region, but I'm, I don't know if I can relate. But maybe, just maybe, you could. You could. Maybe this is our story as well. You see, the guy was not born with all these demons. He wasn't born. He got there. See, you weren't born an addict, right? We get there. We do some things. The cravings of our soul turn, I don't know, they go crazy and then they shape our character. We start doing some things and then, then they just shape us and they change our identity and they take over. What was supposed to be something that satisfied is now just, it's just a prison for us. And so we're, we're stuck in this. So I want you to know that this guy, his goal was not, hey, life plan, where do you see yourself five years? In a tomb, chained up. No, he had a family. He had people who saw him turn. And I don't know if you've ever seen people, good people, just be overtaken by brokenness and sin, and they find themselves just in a place where they are cutting themselves, where they're crying out, where they live among the tombs. They're, they're, They're just separated from everything that's going on. This is where we find this guy. And there is where you find Jesus as well, right in the middle of that. And what is Jesus doing? He's, he's trying to unlock something in this guy. So we keep on reading. It says, when, Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So he's on his knees in front of him. And then he, he shouted at the top of his voice, which, by the way, I would be like, dude, you're right here inside voice right like right here you don't have to like go crazy here i hear you okay but he shouted at the top of his voice what do you want from me jesus son of the most high god in god's name don't torture me you see something here which is fascinating what's fascinating is, is that jesus is in a non-jewish place where people believe in all kinds of different gods and here, this guy comes in, and he's the one guy in that, in this story that's possessed by these demons. And those demons recognize God, but people don't. And I wonder sometimes if your brokenness and your trauma and your pain recognizes God before you do. I wonder if sometimes our our grief knows that it needs Jesus. I wonder if sometimes our sadness and our depression runs towards light, even though our minds. Tell us something else. I think that's why, right? That's why you're in a moment like something like this, in a place like this, and you're watching this, and you're listening to this, and there's something that's moving you towards God, and your brain is trying to catch up because somehow your brokenness knows it needs Jesus and recognizes him. So he's there, he's there, and he goes, don't torture me. And then then Jesus does something that's so interesting. Okay, here we turn the gem here a little bit. For Jesus had said to himself, come out of this man. So uh, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asks him this, which is interesting. He says, what? What is your name? What is your name? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't know that there's been other stories where Jesus wants to do a a meet and greet with a demon. You know what I'm saying? So who are you? Nice to meet you. Like, yeah, I'm Jesus. He's never done that. He says, who? What is your name? He's never done that. In the New Testament stories that we have. Why does he do that? Why does he ask the name of it? Why? Because Jesus is unlocking this man's identity. He's unlocking it because now he's been defined by his flaws. And his trauma. And his addiction. He's been imprisoned by it. And God knows that he can, that, that trauma will shape. It will define your identity, and God wants to change your identity. And so when you meet Jesus, he wants to do that. He wants to change fundamentally who you've been calling yourself. And what's profound about this is the guy says, Legion, right? Legion, to which we go, oh, cool movie. Okay, no, Legion. What is that? See, he was in a Greek town. The word Legion literally is a Greek word that means something, friends. It means that he was in the military. It literally means that when you say legion, I am legion, legion was a military term that they used to use that was a, a basically a, a bunch of soldiers about 1,500 to about 2,000 that would become a legion that would go into a foreign place and camp there and occupy it. That's how they would occupy land. That's, i say, it was a Roman technique to do that. And he was, so there were real life legions out there. He calls himself, the demon calls himself legion, which is so profound here because there's something going on in the background. The, this guy's history is coming out. Why is this guy's history coming out? And why does he use a, a military term? Here's why. Because if you read historically, that region, the garrisons, the 10 cities, guess what? Those 10 cities were given by Rome to Roman soldiers who had fought for them. The retired vets were basically given a place, a region. It was about 10 cities. And they were like, well, you guys can retire here. So there's a very good chance, very good chance that he was going into a military town. And when the demon spoke, he spoke military terms. And what happens after that? What happens after that? Well, this is what happens. He says here, he says, we, my name is Legion. He replied, we are many. Then he begged Jesus again not to send him out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hills. The demon begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us, not to, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd was about what? That's interesting. 2,000. Why not? I don't know. 12. No, 2,000. Why? Because he called himself a what? Legion. 2,000 in number rushed down in the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now here's so much profound truth in this. First of all, the fact is that Jesus brings up our history to heal us. But then also, 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 Jesus shows up in a place, not only is he very intentional, he shows up in a place where maybe you would think that God would never show up. So he's in a place and they, there happened to be what? Pigs everywhere. Let me tell you what Jewish people did not raise. Pigs. They did not raise, raise pigs. Pigs were like, no, this is unpure land. It's, but he's, Jesus is not in a pure land. He's not in a place that's pure and safe and clean and holy and all that. No, he's left and he is where people are raising pigs. I'll tell you what, if the Pharisees have found out about this, they'd be like, he's never coming back, he is so unclean. But Jesus is in the middle of that, healing this guy and getting rid of the demons into the pigs. Huge, huge. Which, by the way, by the way, by the way, after this happens later on in the same book. Right, same same stories in the Gospels. Jesus tells a story about the prodigal son. Anybody remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son story is that the younger brother takes his inheritance and says, "See, ya, pops," and he leaves, and he goes to a distant land. A distant land. This land just happened to have what? Pigs. So I'm sure the disciples, fast forward when he told the prodigal son story, they're like, "Oh, we were there." Is it the same story? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Because the distant land was this land that God would not go. And maybe you're in this place that you're like, this is a God forsaken place and season I'm in. But God's there. God wants to see and meet you there. Why? Because he wants to, man, he wants to give you a new, new identity. And the second thing he wants to do, he wants you to, have a purpose and step into a purpose that's not, it's more than what you've called yourself. A calling that's more that, that you've called yourself. It's a purpose that, that, that you maybe have put a limit on because of your fears. What happens? We keep on going. It says those, it says those tending the pigs ran off and report this to the town. And the countryside. And the people went out to see what, what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind. And they were what? They were afraid. I mean, you would think they'd be like, yes. They were like, something's wrong. What's happening? Well, because Jesus is not one of them. He's this rabbi, this rogue rabbi. Who showed up in this town because, you know, he was like he was doing stuff in Jerusalem. He's 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 like Jews for Jesus guy. You know what I'm saying? And now he's he just comes across the the lake here and they're like, what are you doing? And what did you what did you just do? They were afraid. Those who have been told uh, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to do what? To leave. We want you to leave. We want you to leave. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Begged to go with him. Jesus did not let I mean, I don't know if, if you read some of the stories in the New Testament, there are not a lot of people who go, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. It's most stories of Jesus, like, come follow me, come follow me, and they decide. And this guy's like, can I just go with you? And he tells this guy something that he doesn't tell a lot of people. In fact, I don't know if it's ever recorded that he's told anybody else. He says, no, go home. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go home. Go home. I think right there, this, and I'm just gonna say, I mean, please indulge me here. If this guy was had military in his family, this was like a, it was like an order. You you're gonna go home. Your assignment is you go home. And think that there's some truth in that, isn't there? Because if we were going to recognize that God wants to really give us a new identity, He wants us to unlock our identity and not allow our flaws to really um, define our identity. And if God really truly does want us to um, move past our fears, because our fears will basically limit our purpose. If, 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 if God wants us to do that, then there's got to be a, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? I think it's, it's pretty clear here. I think first, the first thing is we, we have to go home. I think for some of us, we have to go home. That's the hardest thing for some of us to go. Isn't it easier to like have this amazing encounter with Jesus and then leave town? That's the best. The worst is when you're, when you have this amazing, when you've lived in town your whole life, say this town, right, this city, and people know you as that guy or that person, and now you've changed, and people go, really all right. Sure. Cuz it's so hard to convince family that you've been you've changed. It's so hard. You can convince strangers. Strangers are so much more forgiving. Family. Bunch of demons. I mean no, no, I mean like no, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> joking. But for some of us if you don't go home, you can't start a new home. Like you've been wanting to step into something new and you actually have a past that you have to reconcile. I'm not quite sure what it is and what it means for you to go home. But I think for some of us, you got to go home and then you got to tell the story. You got to tell all of it. You know, the, your knowledge of God informs people, but your story of God transforms people. Because the story is raw. It's real. You're not always the hero, sometimes you're the villain, but God always comes through. And for some of us, you've been scared to tell your story and you're ashamed of it. You're like, name, I've just done some things I just don't know. I'm not quite sure if I can say this. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. I think there are people in your life that would see radical transformation if you were courageous enough to just share your story. Just tell it. Because guess what? I mean, if you have been this person, who have been locked up for so long, you've self-harmed, you have hurt people, broken relationships, you don't want to tell all that. You don't want to talk about your worst moments. But The good thing is that you're not, you are not your worst moments. You are not. You're also not your Instagram moments. But you are more than what happened to you. You know, there's so much more than that. More than that. God has so much more in the future than all the crap that's happened in the past. But you got to tell that story and then you got to see God move see God use you you know what this guy did he did exactly what Jesus told him to do it says here it says that last verse it says so the man went out and began to tell in the copolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed those are the same people that looked at Jesus and said leave History tells us that the, one of the most significant cities in Decapolis was Hippo. And Hippo was a catalyst for the early church moving and growing in that region. The movement of Jesus historically grew in that region in Decapolis, in one of the main cities. And some historians would link it back to this guy. So could we just stop and consider, man, right now in this moment, God is. It's not random with me. He's not like, oh, yeah, I forgot about you. No, he's, he's intentional. He's come. He'll go wherever you are. He'll, he'll be in a pig infested, a, a dark place with you. He'll show up intentionally because he needs to unlock. Your identity and your purpose. He wants to move you out of all the things that you've allowed yourself to become. He wants to do that. He's committed, committed to that. And you need to know that all you have to do is have the courage to allow your pain to fall on its knees and just call out God. And men, if you would go home, if you would, if you would tell the story. You'll see God use you in such a profound, profound way. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray, man. I want to, I want, to, I want to pray um, for what you're feeling right now in this moment. Because I think for some of us, it's like you, you, some of your calling is defined by what you see in the mirror. What you see in the mirror, that's who you are. And some of us, you're not doing some things. You're not doing some things, and you're pushing things away because you're just, it's it's really fear. You're not attempting something because you know that maybe, just maybe, you might fail. But what if, and God wants to take a person like you, and then bring you into the light. And turn you. And reveal something that's so new. So new this morning to you. Because he's convinced that you are a gem. And you are more than just one or two things. You're more complicated. You're more significant. You're unique. You're handcrafted. And so now, so don't let failure flatten who God created you to be. Let's move towards him. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you don't give up on us. I thank you that you're the God who doesn't wait to be pursued, you are the God who pursues. You're not the God who sits there on his throne so we can run to you. You are the God who goes and runs after us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our brokenness and all the bad decisions. You put a robe on us. You put a ring on our fingers and you heal us. You Ask us who we've been calling ourselves and you cast that demonic sin out and you rescue us. Not just only to rescue us, but then also give us a purpose that we never dreamed that we would be ever worthy of. God, thank you for being that God. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.